0: If you have your Bibles, it's John chapter 14, very well known, a few verses in God's Word. Often these verses are preached at funerals, and you'll be familiar with them tonight. And I just want to take a few moments, if I could just ask us all to settle our hearts tonight and just focus our attention, just give us your attention just for a few moments. I believe I'm going to preach something that's very important for every person in this room, but for particularly those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior. And that might sound, well, we know you preach the gospel here, whoever it may be behind this pulpit every week. But I I just believe we're in such, such days that we need to know exactly where we are and what's about to happen. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready. Everyone in this room needs to be ready. And I want to make sure, and it will be the heart of this church, that every person in this room will know clearly, clearly their responsibility, clearly where they stand, that there be no sense of no one told us, we were ignorant, nobody let us know. I want it tonight to be very clear. I want to make it very simple as best as I can. And we're going to very much keep along the Word of God tonight, just taking the time to go through God's Word. And I want you just, if you could, you know, this is the most important thing, not because I'm preaching or not because anyone's preaching, but because it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's concerning your eternal soul. And this is the most valuable thing that you possess is your soul. Because it will last for eternity either in a place called heaven. We've been singing a lot about it tonight. Praise the Lord. But there is also a real place called hell. And I want to make sure that everyone in this room is fully aware of their responsibilities. This is no laughing matter. It's not a joke. This is very serious. And I want to make sure that everyone in this room, young and old, are fully aware. This Christ is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And eternity awaits us. And just for a few moments, we'll gather around God's Word and we'll allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. The Bible says, if you have an ear that can hear, if you have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying, just open that heart tonight. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Let's pray together. Father, in Thy name, We just ask that the hush of eternity will be upon every heart. We pray against all distractions. We pray tonight, O God, regardless of who's sitting around us, beside us, in front of us, behind us. But Lord, we pray that you would speak into every heart in this room clearly. Lord, we ask tonight, Lord, Lord, in your mercy. And in your great grace, that you would come into this meeting, that you would anoint us both to preach and to hear your word. And Lord, tonight, Lord, that the trumpet would give a clear sound. And Lord, that your name would be glorified. Lord, that you would save in this room those that are outside of you. Lord, those that are grown cold, those that are backslidden, those that have walked away. Lord, we pray tonight, Lord, in this we hall, that the Holy Spirit would do a work and that you would open eyes that they can see and open ears that they can hear. And Lord, we pray that you would grant unto them the grace to repent and to come to Jesus. Lord, we ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 14, Jesus said, Verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I want you to listen to these words of Jesus. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know, And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether you go. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The next time Jesus comes, the next time Jesus comes, you know he's coming again. He says, I will come again. Jesus is coming back. The next time he comes, things are going to be so different to the first time he came. It's going to be so different. The difference between the first and second comings is remarkable. But the promise of his coming is as sure as the first time that he came. It tells us in Philippians 2, if you have a Bible, follow these readings tonight. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, relating to the first advent, that is the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is important. Philippians 2 and verse 6, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, coming to this earth as a man. It tells us there in Philippians 2 and 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now we see here one of the wonders of all of this. But he made himself, that's Jesus, of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. This is, this is Jesus Christ. This is the eternal God. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. In the Bible, it tells us that in God's determinate counsel and foreknowledge, in other words, God's knowledge, he is not confined to time. He's not confined to our clock. He's not confined to our wisdom or our understanding. But in his foreknowledge, the eternal God, at the first advent when he came to earth, his arrival on this earth, it defies logic wisdom and understanding we can't even begin to grasp it that the almighty God the God of heaven and earth the creator of the heavens and earth and the universe God himself came into this world as a man it's beyond our comprehension to grasp tonight that the almighty God became a man and that man is Jesus Christ In Colossians 1, just follow these scriptures if you can. But in Colossians 1 and 15, it tells us there concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1 and 15. He's the firstborn of every creature. Now, this is what it says about Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven That are in the earth, both that which is visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. I want you to stay with me. You're paying great attention, but I want you to stay with me in this tonight. God Almighty, God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, the creator of all things, who is before all things, and by him all things were created, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of a man. He came into this world. This is God, and the eternal wisdom of God, before the foundation of earth, before time began, could I tell you something? There's God before the beginning and before the end. I know that sometimes, I know for me, when you start to consider these things, it it takes you into a realm of wonder that before time, before the beginning and after the end, there's God. Almighty, self-existing, God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's very hard for us to grasp, but we must grasp this. He is the self-existent, almighty, infinite, omniscient, omnipotent God Almighty. Before there was a plant on this earth or a star in heaven, there's simply God. He is the beginning And he is also the end. And in his eternal wisdom, before time began, we see God. There is revelation of God. And sometime in that eternal being, we get glimpses of what we're facing today. The great battle of the ages. It began before earth. It began before man. It began before time. But simply there was God. And God had created created host of angels that would worship him. Sometimes we get a glimpse of that in scripture. What that looked like. What that was. But we understand from scripture and these legions of angels. That there were supreme angelic beings that were called archangels. One was Gabriel. Another one was Michael. And there's others in scripture. But one of those archangels was an archangel called Lucifer. He is Satan. He is the devil. But he was once an archangel. In the realms of glory. And there was God. And he was a created being. Along with the other archangels. And the host and legions of angels. And their whole purpose. Was involved in the, in the worship of Almighty God. This is God before earth ever began. And in that realms of glory, we understand from scripture that there was an ascent or an attempt of Lucifer to take the throne of God. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12 that a third part of the stars of heaven were cast out. In other words, as Satan ascended Lucifer to take the throne of God, God Almighty cast out Lucifer with a third of the heavenly host. One third of them were cast out of heaven. Jesus tells us in his earthly ministry. I want you to pay attention. Just stay with me for a time. Because I want you to understand the age battle. That we're coming to the climax of the age. We're coming to the great triumph of Christ coming back again. But stay with me so you understand it. In Luke chapter 10, the eternal son, remember Jesus is God. He's not created by God. His birth was not the day that he was made. He was was the creator of all things. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, In eternity, he brings us a revelation of this great battle that took place in heaven. And this is what he said. I beheld Satan as lightning. Fall from heaven. This is before this earth was made. Before there was a star in heaven. The almighty God. Jesus brings the revelation to his disciples as they're around him. I beheld Lucifer, Satan. He fell as lightning from heaven. Jesus brings us to this very event that took place. I seen him. I am the Almighty God. I witnessed this event. It was me that cast him and a third of the host of heaven out of heaven. In Isaiah chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, and verse 12, we read here concerning Lucifer and this great battle that took place in eternity. You might be saying tonight, Tim, I don't know what this has to do with me. I want to tell you, it's everything to do with you. Listen very carefully. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. We read here of this battle in heaven. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now verse 15 is an important verse. The Bible says, Yet thy Lucifer, shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now I want you to keep this for a moment. Because this is important. This is really important. This, the, the, the devil, Lucifer, Satan. Desired to take the throne of God. To be like God himself. And God cast him out. And God pronounced here. In Isaiah 14 and 12. To, to Lucifer. And a third of the heavenly host. You will be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. What this shows us here in scripture. Is that God himself. Created hell. God's the creator of hell. An everlasting. Lake of fires found in the book of Revelation. And it is. Made or created. For the devil. And his angels. That's why hell was created. This place. Where the devil would be cast down to. It was made for the devil and his angels. Literally thousands of his angels fell with Satan. And when he comes again. In the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This place is critical. In the final judgment of man. And in the final judgment of the devil and his angelic host. In Matthew 25 we read there. The connection between hell and the devil and his angels and humanity, men and women. In Matthew 25, on that great day of separation, I want you to listen very carefully. In that great day of separation in Matthew 25, when there's a separation of those that are saved, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, their names are written in the last book of life. There's a separating day. This room tonight is not separated by languages, by nationalities. This room is simply separated tonight between those that are saved and those that are lost. Very simple. It's not separated from where you were born, what your passport says. It's simply separated tonight into two categories. Those that are saved by the grace of God and those that are lost. And so when there's a great separating in Matthew 25, Jesus talks of those that are on the left hand and those that are on the right hand. They're known as sheep and they're known as goats. And in that final hour, when there is that great judgment, Jesus will say to those that are on the left, those that are not saved, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now, remember what Isaiah said, that has been prepared, who for? The devil and his angels. So now we note, not only will the devil and his angels go there, in the New Testament, Jesus said, all those that are on his left hand, that are those who have rejected him as Lord and Savior, who have turned their back on him, who don't want to get saved, all those on that left hand, Will be joined with the devil and his angels into a fire that burns forever and ever and ever. It's sobering, friends. It's sobering. Right at the beginning of all of this, I want to just you to stay with me for a moment. In the beginning, you know, when the Bible says, "In the beginning, God." We understand now. We have looked at this heavenly warfare. The devil and his angels are cast out. There is a place called hell. That is prepared by God. For the devil and his angels. We now see that it will play a part. In the finale of all of this. But I want to go back to the beginning. And the beginning. Begins with God. In Genesis 1 and 1. does it saying? In the beginning God. What did he do? He created Heaven and earth. We already know at this point. There was the devil and a third of the heavenly host. Had been cast out of heaven. But here is God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He creates a heaven. And an earth. And it was perfect. And it was beautiful. And it was without sin. And there was no curse. The, the, the crown. Or the, the, the whole crown of his creation. Is Man. What's different about man? You know, um, we heard just a couple of days ago, I'm sure you're horrified as much as anyone about this law that they're passing over in New York, about the abortion of children, the termination, they call it abortion, but it's the murder of children, right up to the final day, right up to the final point, right up full nine months. A wee baby can be, and even when it's born, They can make a decision while it's still alive. This is what they're pushing for. Whether or not to murder the baby. The shocking. It's shocking, friends. The same person that was pushing through this legislation, also Gillian sent me a week, she wanted to put some law through that day to save a certain type of caterpillar. Think about it. Think about the world we're living in. I was reading this week in Holland... Where they have a euthanasia, assisted suicide, they call it. 7,000 people are helped to die, as they say, every year in Holland. And most of those patients, now more and more, those with Alzheimer's or dementia, well, the best way to deal with that is to give them a strong drink and then inject a the lethal injection into their arm, and they're gone. This is in Holland, 7,000 a year. Just last year in Holland, a 23-year-old girl won the right in the courts of Holland because of psychiatric problems that her life would be ended. So whether it's at the birth or whether it's at the safest place on this earth, that is the womb of a woman, whether it's in the womb or at the birth or whether it's the other end of life, the way to deal with this, friends, I want to tell you This is a wicked world, and that is the work of the devil himself. It's awful, but it's coming our way. That's Europe. And so we see in all of this wickedness, we see the warfare against the very crown, the very jewel. In the creation of God. Do you know what that is? That's every person in this room. Man. Every boy. Every girl. Every man. Every woman. You're precious. You're created. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the warfare of the enemy. You see we're not animals. We're not animals. Do you understand? They want to bring us to a place where we are equal with the animals. You're just like a dog or a gorilla or a cat or a pigeon or a bird. We, we love creation. We love God's creation, but we're made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. So in the beginning God said in Genesis 1:26, "Let us make man in our image and our likeness, let him have dominion over the face of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, over cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth." So God created man in his image. The triune God, his father, his son, his holy spirit, <laughs> We're made in the image of God. Body, soul, and spirit. That's what makes us different. We're not like the angels. We're not like the animals. You're wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of Almighty God. Is it any surprise to you then that in the last throes of time, in the last days in which we're living, that the onslaught of the enemy is to utterly and totally destroy that which has been created in the image of God. What do I mean by that? And please understand what I'm saying here. They say, or in the hour in which we're living, we see, especially in our one generation, an explosion of demonic power. That's what it is. To destroy the very image of God. That's what we've been created in. What what is that? We see the explosion of homosexuality. This is not a, a gay, bashing church by any means. We believe in the power of the gospel to save every man and woman. Transgenderism, it is breaking, it should break our hearts. It should, when all around us we're seeing God made us male and female. He faithfully and wonderfully made us. But now, if you don't want to be that, it doesn't matter what you were biologically born. You can just be anything you want. If you walk in here and you feel that you're an elephant, you can be an elephant. It doesn't matter now anymore. You could be whatever. There's 71 different types of gender. They say, God says there's man. And God says there's woman. That's what God says. And so why is this all happening? Why is there a drive of a gender neutral society? Why is all the destructive purposes and plans of Satan unfolding in our generation? Why is that? Because the devil knows that his time is short, that Christ is about to come, that his destiny is hell with his angels, and now the final throw amongst our young people, in particular, is to destroy everything of the purpose of God for their lives. Not only to save them, to give them a purpose in life, and the one day bring them to glory with Him. And so his plan, his dirty plan, is as lies, as murder is unfolding all around us. Friends, are you concerned? Saints, are you concerned? Are you just so wrapped up in your own wee bubble, in your own wee life? Are you concerned? And so we see the explosion of all of this in our generation. And God took from the earth, formed a body, and He breathed the life of God man became a living soul. Psalm 139 and 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Could I say to all the young people who are under enormous pressure in schools, amongst friends, in this society in which we're living, let me tell you, young person, you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. God has created you. You have been purposed. You have been born. You're not a mistake. And all the influences of all that internet and that YouTube and the fashion world and the pop world and all the pushing and all the liberal left and all the extreme rights, all pushing an agenda to destroy the image of God. Church, we're near the end. We're near the end. It was Satan, this fallen angel, who came into the beauty of the creation of God in his deceptive seductive plans. In his murderous land scheme. He seduced Eve. And Adam and caused the centerpiece. Of God's creation. To fall. Just like he did. The difference between the angel and man of course. Is that the angels are not made in his image. They do not possess the soul. But we do. And so this war that was in the heavens then was unleashed upon the earth, upon God's creation. We're going somewhere, if you just keep listening with me, because you may wonder tonight why there's a battle, why this is why the pressure's on. I want to tell you, I'm showing you why it's on. Man plummeted into the depths of sin, the sentence of death is pronounced. Upon God's creation. Man's driven from the garden. That God had created in all its beauty. There's a a cherubim boot. At the gate of the garden. With a flame and sword. This kind will never come into the presence of God. Ever again. And never it will. That's why when Jesus said. You must be born again. It's new creatures that enter in. To the glory of God's presence. It's impossible through religion. Through great acts. Through self efforts. No matter how grand and great they may be. That will never bring you into the presence of God. It's only through the born again experience. You must be born again. You must. You must. It's a divine must. Well I'm a good person. I've done no one any harm. And often what we hear is I'm not as bad as him. I'm going to tell you we're all sinners and we need a saviour. Jesus said, You must be born again. Why? Because religious people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Are you hearing me, friend? No matter what your denomination is, no matter what label you got at birth, no matter what's written on your birth certificate or or what class you went to, none of those things get us to heaven. Because this kind can't come in anymore. That's why Jesus came. That's why he said, You must. Be born of the Spirit of God. Born again. And friends, it's by the Spirit and through the finished work of Calvary that you can come. And so this battle comes to earth. And I want to return for a moment as this battle begins the wage out on earth, bringing us right up to Calvary. But I want us to see again Jesus for a moment. I want us to return As God Almighty, remember when Adam fell and God himself comes into the garden. Adam and Eve are are trying to hide themselves with fig leaves in some way to cover up what has happened. And God himself comes walking in the garden and begins to call out, Adam, where are you? Where art thou? God Almighty, all-knowing, asking the question, where are you? Did God know? Of course He knew. But God's asking the question, I believe, of some tonight, where are you? He knows where you are. He knows where your heart is. He knows where you are before Him. He knows that you're cold. He knows that you're backslidden. He knows that you're lost. He knows that you're trusting in religion. But yet He asks the question, where are you? We see God as He sees the fall of man. I want you to think for a moment, if you can, and travel with me. It's difficult for our minds. But we just see God in all his glory, and all his splendor, self-existent, almighty, looking down on his creation. And the heart of God is wrenched from him. As the very crown and the jewel in that crown plummets into the depths of sin. And the death sentence is pronounced on mankind. Think of him, Jesus said in John 17, he talks about a glory that he had with the Father even before the world was formed. The glory of God, pre earth, and also in time, the glory of God is spoken of and revealed. I just want you to bring you again to heaven for a moment the glory. The prophet says in 2 Chronicles 18, 18, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of have- heaven standing at his right hand and on his left hand. With the famous revelation of Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. He's seated upon a throne. He's high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. One had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. God almighty. Seated in all his splendor and all his glory. And his creation is plummeted into the depths of darkness and sin and death. And now Satan has infiltrated humanity as man had rebelled and chosen independence and believed the lie of the devil. Friends, I want to tell you, his tricks are still the same today. His lies are still the same today. The trickery of the enemy. The only difference is between back then and now. I want to tell you, I want you to hear me. What's the difference? Tim, what are you going to tell us the difference is? I want to tell you what the difference is. Time's near up. Time's near up. It's near over. And God, thank God. Thank God for His wonderful counsel and His purpose and His plan. And God, before all of this, a covenant was made. In God himself, the Trinity, a plan of redemption. This was no ordinary plan. This was the Almighty. This was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who purposed and planned before there was a creation and I believe before ever there was a devil and his angels, he purposed in himself an eternal redemptive plan. It's awesome. In Revelations 13 and 8 it says that He's the Lamb slain. It says from the foundation. But the original is before the foundation of the world. Jesus, God's eternal Son, is the Lamb slain eternally. Before there was a fall. Before there was a man. Before there was a star in heaven. And before there was a devil and his angels. There was a purpose, an eternal purpose. There would be a lamb. And so somehow we don't know exactly what that communication between the Godhead is, but they're one, their spirit, it's a mystery. And the Father and the Son, Son, I will send you. And the Son Jesus says. Father, I will go. And the Holy Spirit promises that if Christ goes and goes to that cross, I will raise you again on the third day. And he comes. But we don't understand or grasp his coming. The first one. We do now as we look back with hindsight and we have the word of God. Well, we all understand it. But friends, friends, When he came the first time. Nobody could grasp it. It baffled the religious. The political thought it was a joke. Armies mocked and laughed him. Even his very own in the end deserted him and left him. Because this was the redeemer. This was God who would come to save. And deliver his people. It tells us. That he's born in a manger. Well, we know that we do the 25th of December thing, and everyone gets all ends. We're not grasping it. It's beyond Christmas trees and lights and presents and everything else. It's that—that's a sham, really. Here's the Almighty God, the Holy Spirit puts the seed into a virgin's womb, and she brings forth a little baby. The king of glory. Where is he born? In the palace, in the grand house of the high priest. No, he's born in a manger. No, we don't understand that. We do now, but friends, think about it. Born into poverty. They had nothing. He became poor for us, but he had nothing when it came to dedicate him and his mummy and his daddy. Joseph and Mary came to the temple to dedicate him. To offer up on that day of dedication for a baby, you were to give a lamb. But see for the poor, see for the poor, it was a turtle dove. They couldn't afford a lamb. As they walk into the temple and Simeon is standing, knowing that he's heard of the Lord. You'll not taste death death, until you hold the Lord's Christ. Until you see His salvation. And a poor couple walk in to give a turtle dove for the sacrifice of the King of Glory. Friends, we understand it a bit better now because of Scripture. But can you imagine being around at that time? This is Emmanuel. God's with us. Can you see the old man holding the baby and say, Lord, your servant can die in peace for I have seen the Lord's salvation. Can you hear as the Pharisees look on and wonder, what is this? How can we fathom it? How can we understand it? Yet the Bible says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty we might become rich. He had nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have holes. The birds have, of the earth have nests. But the Son of Man, he said, has nowhere to lay his head. He rode into Jerusalem, the king of glory. The almighty God, king of kings. He rides into Jerusalem on a lowly ass. This is the king. This is the savior. This is the redeemer. As he comes over the hills, over Mount of Olives, and they begin to cry out, Hosanna in the highest. Here he comes. Can you imagine the Roman garrison? Here's the king. Are you you real? Is this for real? This is your king. He's going to deliver you. Here's a man coming, a carpenter's son, and he's going to deliver his people. He's your king. And so he comes. He stands at the judgment seat of Pilate. Think about it, friends. The almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. He's standing at the judgment seat of Pilate. Pilate is chastising him and inspecting him. The greatest army on the earth at that time was the Roman army. He's cast into the midst of of the crowd of them. And they begin to mock him, spit on him, laugh. Beat him. Put a a scarlet robe upon him. Lay his back over a rock. They beat him and they laugh and they mock. They put a crown of thorns in his head. Heal king of the Jews. This is your savior. This is the king of kings. This is the almighty. This is the creator of heavens and earth. The greatest arm in the earth. He became their toy. Their mockery. Their plaything. Then they let him out. With one of the, if not the most shameful way of execution at the time, cursed is he that would hang on a tree. Death this is what we've done to the king of glory. Nuri hangs, stripped of everything, stripped of his dignity, stripped of his clothes, his mother standing looking at him. I know we've often heard it. And all the paintings have this little wee oil cloth across the front of them. There he is naked. Hanging on a tree. His mother standing there. Shameful. A king. The creator. The almighty God. Stripped of all. But Love. Love love, Father, I will go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And there he hangs the Creator, God, This is known as the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, whom God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel, foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified And slain, listen to this verse, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding off it. And friends, he arose, triumphant over death, over sin, and over the devil. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians said, remain today, some have fallen asleep. And he was seen of James and all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due the risen Savior. In Acts chapter 1, when he's led out for the ascension verse 9 it says when he had spoken these things he's standing on the Mount of Olives. His disciples have gathered round him and there he stands. His work complete. His mission has finished. Death has been conquered. A way has been made back to God from the dark paths of sin. The cross. It's a finished work. And he stands resurrected on the Mount of Olives. And he spake these things. And suddenly he's taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. And they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went and behold two men in white apparel came and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. What he's saying is, He's coming again. I want you to listen. I'm closing just a couple of minutes. I want you to listen. He's coming again. But let me tell you something. The next time he comes, the next time he comes, listen, the next time he comes, it's going to be so different. It's going to be different. In Revelation, can I tell you, friend, there's no middle ground here. There's no middle ground. Revelation 19, verse 11, says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Bible says his eyes Of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written He's the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. The next time He comes, the next time He comes, listen up, listen. The next time He comes, it's going to be different. There's going to be no manger. There's going to be no manger. The next time he comes, he'll not stand at the judgment seat of any king or any president, no matter how great or grand they may think they are. The next time he comes, he'll not stand before men or the great armies of this earth to be mocked and spat upon and the very hairs of his face ripped from him. The next time he comes, they'll not make sport with him, friends. The next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. The next time he comes. Bible tells us that we saw a great white throne. And there he sits, Jesus, on this great white throne. I want you to listen. We appreciate so much you being here coming and befriending you and we love you so much, but we must tell you the truth. Because this is serious. There's Jesus now. He's sitting on a great white throne. Revelation 20. It says that from his face. The earth and the heaven. Flee away. There's no place found for them. I saw the dead small and great stand before the Lord. And the books now are opened. There's a book that's going to be opened. The books. And another book then singular was opened. Which is the book of life. And the dead are judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Remember Isaiah? Remember the Lord and Matthew? Remember here Revelation. The death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now listen to verse 15. So important. You just hear these final few words. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Listen. If your name's not in the book of life, what happens? is what the Bible says. They were cast into the lake of fire. They're cast into the lake of fire. Is your name in the book of life? Is your name in the book of life? Brother and sister... Friend tonight, young person, is your name in the book of life? Is your name in the book of life? Not do you go to church, not are you a good person, not are you good with your works, not are you are you are you given to charity, not are you not as bad as someone else? Is your name in the book of life? Is your name in the book of life? This is what the Bible says. It's sobering, it's strong. But I want to tell you something, I don't want anyone to be in any doubt. It's absolutely true. And whosoever and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name in the book of life? Is your name in the book of life. Jesus tells a parable. About seed being sown. He said he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world. I believe, I believe with everything that we're at the end of the world. You know that man that I sat with yesterday, that friend, he said, there's a ceiling in this, Tim, isn't there? This is going to end, isn't it? Even the world know it's going to end. And so there's tears. And there's the wheat, there's the seed, there's the harvest, it's the end of the world. And then there's the trumpet of the Lord. And when it sounded, I want to tell you, friend, God doesn't need the internet, Sky News, the networks of this world to display and announce His coming. Suddenly there's a sound. Suddenly there's an announcement. Suddenly the trumpets sound. Globally. The heavens part. This cloud rolled back. The king of kings comes. The angels are sent into the world. They're the reapers. They're heavily involved. In the harvest at the end. Says that they gather the terrors that are gathered and burned in fire. So shall it be at the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And them which do iniquity. Shall cast them into a furnace of fire. And then we've heard this so often. But the Bible's true. There'll be wailing. And there'll be a nation of teeth. But Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And the Bible says, Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. Let him hear. You know, there might be a lot of voices tonight. There might be a lot of people whispering in your ear. There may be your friend saying this, one friend saying that. Somebody might be sniggering. Someone might be mocking. Someone might be laughing. But the Bible says, He that has an ear, let him hear. We're at the end, folks. We're at the end, church. We're at the end, sinner friend. We're at the end, backslider. We're at the end. The trumpet's about to go. The angels are about to be dispatched. The separation is about to come. What separates this room tonight? I want to tell you, friend, what separates this room is not rich and poor. It's not smart and not so smart. It's not languages. It's not where you're from. It's not the country you were born in. What separates this room tonight is saved, born again, washed in the blood, born of the Spirit, and lost rejectors of Christ. He that has an ear, let him hear. We're at the end. We're at the end. We are at the end. Are you ready? Let's pray.